Hello and welcome back. This is episode 17 of Control-Alt-Delete, the podcast with the same name as my book, which is out in just two weeks' time. If you'd like to read the incriminating stories of me growing up on the internet, then you should probably hop on over to Amazon and pre-order it. Um, So today's episode is really exciting. I got to interview my friend, Louise O'Neill, who I met on Twitter and have not yet met in real life but um, she is one of my favourite people to follow online and she is also a very impressive person. So Louise worked as a fashion journalist in New York and as of 2016 she has written a weekly column for the Irish Examiner. But probably what you might know her from is the fact that her books are bestsellers. Her first book, Only Ever Yours, was published in 2014 which earned the title of Newcomer of the Year at the Irish Book Awards and the winner of the YA Prize in 2015. I absolutely love the book. It's an amazing dystopian novel, touching on lots of very topical things such as gender roles, female identity and competition between women. It's amazing. And her second book, Asking For It, was named the Irish Times Book of the Month last year and is an amazing, brave and very important book touching on rape culture. So both books have been sold to TV and film companies. This means Louise is a very busy lady and I couldn't wait to catch up with her about all the things she's learned along the way since basically taking over the world so i hope you enjoy this episode we talk about self-promotion hustling whether having a dream job is a myth um how she quit her job to become an author and how she manages to balance her work life and also her well-being and what she's learned along the way so i hope you enjoy this episode and here it is And this is like diving in, but um, yeah. <laughs> having written a book is like seems like this massive thing, and then you write it, and you're like, oh, where's the marching band and <laughs> you know, like the soundtrack? Um, yeah. <laughs> and I wondered, you know, you've had like massive, massive success with the first novel, and then it's like this whoa, massive response with the second novel. Mm. Has your life changed now? Now that that's all happened? Um, you know what's funny is, in some ways. In some ways, obviously it has, you know, I mean, clearly it has, but in loads of ways it hasn't. And I think for me, what was a really interesting um, learning experience was that for my entire life, I had these, you know, ideas in in my head that if I achieve this, I'm going to be happy. And, you know, I've I've done this with loads of things. It was like, you know, if I do really well in my, my, you know, my school exams, I'm going to be happy. If I find a boyfriend, I'm going to be happy. If I write a book, I'm going to be happy. If the book is published and, you know, it's successful, I'm going to be happy. And actually, the thing is, I've realized that those sort of successes are so amazing but they're very momentary and actually they're kind of difficult to sustain so really like true happiness oh god I really am going into <laughs> Oprah here but you know but actually true happiness has to come from it, it has to come from it in like an internal source because if you're constantly waiting I suppose for outside validation in order to feel happy it's just it's very I suppose it's very unstable in a lot of ways um, and unpredictable um, has my life changed I mean in some ways it's hard to explain I feel a lot of the time like it's happening to someone else and when I'm talking to someone and I'm trying you know I'm explaining what's going on at the moment or you know the sort of recent news that I've received um, and people are getting really excited about it and I find it very hard to process um, because it, it just 
it feels so surreal. Mm. Um, and I wonder, is it one of those things that I'll look back on and wish actually that I had had more time to yeah. absorb it Let and it more time in. to, yeah. yeah, and more time to really appreciate it because at the moment everything is happening so quickly and it's so fast paced, um, that I just feel very tired actually a lot of the time. Um, Mm-hmm. And and then I feel sort of, I suppose I feel very ungrateful um, for expressing the fact that I do feel quite exhausted. Um, but I suppose my day to day life, you know, like when I'm writing, that, do- that doesn't change. You know, I get up, I'm in my pajamas, I sit down at my desk, you know, I open my laptop and I start writing. So really the process of, um, you know, writing a book, that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to go with it. I'm just trying to sort of, I suppose, uh, just keep up with it in some ways. Yeah, it must be difficult sometimes when you're being pulled in like so many different directions. Mm. It's almost mm. like you learning more about yourself, how, what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, is that there's been so many opportunities that have come out of this. You know, I'm, I'm filming a documentary. Um, I'm presenting a documentary on uh, rape culture for our national broadcaster at the moment. Oh. And you know, there was, you know, uh, with both, I suppose, the movie and the TV deal for Only Ever Yours and Asking For It, there was, you know, do you want to co-write the script? Um, and I, there's just been all these opportunities that have come up. And I, I've had to say no, actually, to things that I would have really enjoyed to do, uh, enjoyed doing, because I just don't have the time. And mm. also, I suppose, and I've, I've been having a lot of conversations about this, particularly with my parents at the moment, is just the impact that it is having, I suppose, on my own well-being and health and yeah. trying to, I suppose, prioritise taking care of myself um, and needing a routine and a structure and then having the sort of life at the moment that's quite nomadic and doesn't actually support having a routine and a structure so it's just I think it's really at the moment just trying to find a balance. It's interesting I love like um, kind of your road to success as well as like I'm sure (laughs) really quite inspiring for a lot of people because you know Mm. you've you've spoken before about um, it sounds like you had this like dream job in New York Mm -hmm. and that's like sounds so romanticized but um yeah (laughs) yeah and but how did you know to leave that um I mean it is in I suppose it is that sort of you know the devil wears um product cliche of you know a job a million girls would kill for um and it was in a lot of ways I suppose and it's interesting actually to have your you know to get your dream job at 25 L magazine um, in New York um and to feel like wow I've achieved what I've always sort of wanted to achieve and I'm only 25 and then to realise that it, 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 I just didn't feel happy. And I think the big part of it was, was being surrounded by people who were so passionate about it and who were so brilliant at it. And, you know, who would have, who would have given anything, I suppose, you know, to work in fashion. This was their absolute, I suppose, you know, just mm. everything that they'd ever wished for. And seeing how much it fulfilled them and realising you know what, I don't feel like this. Um, I don't know if, and also I think even just the um, the pressure of the uh, industry itself and seeing how, I suppose, you know, like friends of mine who dealt with it really well and I was like, actually, I don't know if I can deal with this. And that was a really hard thing for me to admit because we all want to believe that, you know, we're really strong and we're really capable. And I was like, I don't know if... I, I, I don't know if I can manage actually this level of stress 
and that was that was difficult for me to admit because I wanted to be sort of superwoman and wanted to be, you know, all conquering and wanted to just, I suppose, be nearly emotionless in a way that it was like, oh yeah, I, I, I don't mind. Whereas I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack every day. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think this is, I don't think this is something I can continue to do for the rest of my life. And, and, and you know, that wasn't the people I was working with because they were all really lovely and respectful. Um, I think it was just, I wasn't, I just didn't have, I suppose, the correct um, or the suitable sort of apparatus or, you know, whatever to um, to manage that job. And I, you know, I'd always wanted to write and um, I'd had this idea for a novel. Um, and I think I just, you know, I broke up with a long term boyfriend and my visa in New York was coming to an end. And I just said, what what do I actually want to do? And I think it was the first time in a long in maybe years, actually since I was a small child, that I said, what do I want to do? Not, you know, what should I do and what will look cool to other people yeah. and what will other people be impressed by? But what do I actually want to do with my life? And, and to like, do that, is, really... you almost need a break, don't you? Because I feel like you do. the busyness of life can distract you and then oh, you can 100%. sit down and think, oh my God, like yeah. a year's gone past and... No, absolutely. And I suppose I'd always had a plan. You know, I I did my leaving search, which is the school exams here in Ireland. I went and I did my undergrad. I went and did my postgrad. Then I moved to New York. And then all of a sudden I was like, OK, I'm back at home living with my parents. I don't have a job. Uh, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have any plan. Mm. And actually, in an amazing way, it sort of opened up all of this space and opportunity for me. Um, and I was lucky enough that, you know, I was 26. I was young enough, I suppose, to take full advantage of that. Yes. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try and write this book and I'm going to give it absolutely everything that I have. And then if it doesn't work out, I'll I'll, I'll figure something out then. But I'm, I'm going, I don't want to have any regrets. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool that you kind of, you did it. Because I think there's a difference between wanting to do something and actually going away and sitting down and doing it. You know what, though? And I will say this, um, because I've heard other people, you know, talk about these stories. And I'm like, I have to acknowledge the fact that I was incredibly privileged. You know, my parents are very supportive. They said, you know, you can move back in with us. We'll, you know, feed you and, you know, you don't have to pay any rent. And, um, and you know, I had the luxury of being able to do that. Yeah. Um, just because of the fact that, you know, I'm middle class um, and, you know, my parents are very supportive. So I think it's very important for me as well to acknowledge that while it did take, I suppose, a certain amount of bravery to do it, you know, mm -hmm. there was no risk that I was going to end up homeless and destitute. You know, I always had a, a fallback plan and I'm very grateful for that. But I think it's important to acknowledge that because there's so many people who are incredibly talented um, and probably much more talented than I am. And maybe they just don't have you know, they, they, they haven't been given that ease, which I was, to completely focus on this project. Yes. Oh, my God. I know what you mean. I feel like I have to acknowledge that as well in the, in the way that it's like my worst case scenario is not the same as other people's yeah, worst case scenario. 100%. Um, but you're really, like, really close to your family, aren't you? How, how have they dealt with um, <laughs> you being this, like, superstar <laughs> now? <laughs> um, they're so, I mean, they're just... They are honestly the most amazing people. Um, and it's funny because people keep asking my sister, you know, is she jealous? And she just, I, I honestly, she it really baffles her because I think she's been nothing but supportive and so incredibly excited actually um, for my success and, you know, how well it's going. Um, I can see that my parents take a slightly different um, angle in that 
they're so proud of me, but also very concerned, I think, about how this is affecting me and just my, you know, well-being and my eating and, you know, things like that. I think that's more their focus, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, trying to, I suppose, help me to cope maybe with some of the pressures that come along with with success which I suppose I wasn't ready for and maybe people don't actually talk about um and I so I think that's been more their focus particularly in the last while which you know I usually come home um to write my books um and then leave again um and they're very I think happy to have me at home at the moment um and how important to have someone or a group of people who are like looking out for Louise not Louise the author (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I'm lucky as well, I suppose, that my agent and my editor are very much like that as well. You know, that they would be encouraging me to do less and to say no more um, and turn down, uh, you know, requests and festivals and and things like that. So that I'm, you know, I'm lucky that I don't have, I suppose, uh, it's me, actually. It's me putting the pressure on myself and me wanting to take advantage of every opportunity. And all the people around me, whether professional or personal, are saying no, 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 you need, you know, you're going to burn yourself out. You need to sort of just, uh, I suppose, take it easy and sort of uh, just try and, I suppose, learn to say no. Because look, you're, 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 do you work freelance or are you? Um, yeah, I do now. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know what it's like. But Bur- burnout is no my, things. is terrifying. moment. There's so much out there at the moment written about, you know, especially like millennial women and burnout and all of this. And it's, I can see it. I can really see it happening, mm. especially I can see it happening yeah. to myself. And I feel lucky that I'm aware of it. Yeah. Um, and I hate that level of, there seems to be, sometimes you read these articles and there's a level of, I think, snarkiness about it. Mm. Um, sort of, oh, poor millennial women, um, you know. Trying and, to have it all. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I know, and I know, I suppose it is sort of, you know, we're so lucky as, and as we talked about earlier, and you know, it's about acknowledging, you know, your privilege in some ways, but there are pressures, you know, and, you know, you, you're not, I'm not trying to sound entitled or as if I'm taking things for granted, but I suppose sometimes trying to do everything and trying to be everything to all people, um, I mean, that is just, you know, it is absolutely, you cannot sustain that. Um, and I think it's that feeling of just trying trying just trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and you know it is I I absolutely can understand why women are burning out how did you find your agent just out of interest because I found um Robin on Twitter (laughs) my agent oh really yeah um that's funny no it's actually it's a um it's interesting because I I finished the book um I think it was I'm always so bad with my dates I'm always trying to remember I think it was September 2012 um yes it was and um or August 31st actually and um I kind of left it and then I did a a cursory edit on it and I started sending it out um to agents and I you know I had look I sort of you know look for your favorite agents and then you know yeah try and decide and there was a really strong reaction like sort of immediately actually um and um within a week I suppose of sending it out you know I'd say nearly half the people that I'd sent it out to were like you know we want to see the full manuscript um and I again I had I I went over to London um I had meetings with six of sort of the most prestigious really now I mean if they probably represent one of them probably represents Jesus you know they were like (laughs) the client list was so incredible um and the funny thing is, is that the people that I actually, um, the agent that I chose in the end was probably 
the youngest and probably the least experienced out of um, all of them. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's but I just loved her. I just, yeah. I, as soon as I met her, I was like, I, this woman, and she's like, she's two years younger than I am. So I was like, she just gets me. She gets the book. She, and I, I just felt so comfortable with her. Um, and I knew, and the thing is all the other, because um, you know what publishing is like, to be honest, everyone's lovely. Um, mm. uh, but I just had this real sort of connection with her. Um, and I'm I'm a very it's funny actually not so much in my personal life I was talking to a friend about this recently because I'm but in my professional life I'm I'm so I just really go with my instincts I'm very instinctive I just I'm like you know I trust this person you know I I, I try I, I I think this is the right route to go and I, I never look back like I never have any regrets I never sort of say oh should I have made a, a different which I do all the time in my personal life particularly <laughs> my love life um but um in my professional life I really just go with the flow I really just sort of let things kind of unfold um and I just had this very strong instinct when I um met my agent I was like yeah this is the one um and she has become I'm actually because I had the same sort of reaction when I met my editor and they've both become just such good friends of mine um and people that I feel like are a hundred percent in my corner um and that's that's really I think that's priceless actually yeah you know so so important such an important relationship and it's mm. I mean I can imagine that I'm hoping that if you know if you construct your people around you hopefully burnout is less likely in a way if you're yeah. really kind of making sure that they're like you know you need to turn that down or this is how yeah. you should handle that or because I mean asking for it has well it literally was oh the response was incredible like it was amazing and um Mm. and I know that you say that you know you get so much uh you know email you know just Mm. a lot of people reaching out how do you deal with um with that because it's there's a line between like giving advice and and giving support and then also sort of just saying like I'm here to listen yeah how how has that been because you can't reply to everyone surely oh I'm trying my best um it, it is it is absolutely the strangest experience because I think um, I was so nervous about asking for it in a way that I wasn't about only ever yours. Um, I just didn't know had I had I got it, and I think it was so important to me that I that I did because you know I suppose you know doing the research that I um, had conducted and you know talking to survivors and feeling so incredibly. I mean the anger that I felt for the six months writing that book I thought I have to get this right you know I just it needs to be and I'm not perfect because I, I don't really believe in perfection when it comes to um art but I just I was like I, I just really need this to sort of I suppose be authentic um and be feel real um and people when people react in the way that they have particularly I suppose people who've been through this and who've experienced on some level what Emma's experienced mm. and reach out to you it, it I cannot actually explain how humbling that is I cannot explain how upsetting it is but also I I just it is it is it is beyond words actually you know and you know people will come up to me and um you know I've had men in their 40s or, and 50s say to me you know my daughter was raped and I really had no idea how to deal with her and I read your book and it really you know they were like it was like a manual sort of particularly I suppose with the parents you know like how not to behave um and and you know I went to an event and it was with survivors and they were telling me you know this book touched me and this book made me feel like I was less alone and I gave it to my parents and to my friends to read to help you know so that they could understand and to be honest most of the time 
I, I just feel like a fraud and I've sort of had to separate myself from the book in a way so that when people talk about that, when people talk in that manner about the book, that I can really say they're talking about the book and they're not talking about me because otherwise I don't actually think I would be able to cope with it. Mm, um, that's really and I think, yeah. I've and had, a, I've had a lot thing. of people say that actually, that, you know, that you have to, a lot of authors that have been bestsellers, it's like, you kind of have to just say like the book went yeah. wild. Like I'm just still me. Yeah. 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 Cause otherwise I think it would just be, it, it would just be impossible to, I don't think your brain actually um, can process that. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the thing is when they do, when they do want to talk to me, you know, I try and just listen. I try and be supportive. I try and, you know, I always just, I'm like, I believe you. I'm sorry this happened to you. And, but I'm not a trained cancer. Um, and, you know, I would hate to, I suppose say the wrong thing or you know or uh, you know or just upset someone by thoughtlessly saying something and they usually you know would advise that they go go to a rape crisis center or mm. um but I think the most important thing actually is that when someone tells you um, their story they just want to be heard yeah mm. it's, inc- it's an incredible response it's almost that um I think the, the real like magic in that book as well is it feels so real. Like, I, you know, I, I forgot that it was fiction when I was reading it in a way. But then at the same time, it's obviously so much more powerful than if it was just like a documentary style, you know, guide or, whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Because there is yeah. no there is no one answer. But um, are you, how are you feeling about the TV? Um, I'm, right. re- I'm, I'm I mean, really excited about it. Um, I think that... Um, like banded tele- um, television are amazing and the woman who I'm sort of working very closely with um Warren is Irish um and I do think that helps um because uh you know especially she gets quite a lot of the references or this the, I mean the cultural sort of touchstones of it even though I mean to be fair this story is very specific in its Irishness, but you know, this is a global issue. This story could have happened in a small community in New Zealand, in mm. the UK, in the States. You know, I suppose there's a, unfortunately there's a real universality to the story. Um, but I do like the fact that, you know, I suppose it, it's helpful in the same way my editor was Irish um, and she it was very useful because sometimes it's difficult um, being an Irish person writing um, a story, an Irish story in an Irish setting, because you're afraid that it'll descend into cliche. Um, right. You know, you want to talk about things like the priest and the church and, you know, the GA team, but you don't want it to be people going, oh, Jesus, this is so, I've, I've read this story but a million times before. Um, mm-hmm. So it was useful, I think, to have an Irish editor who was like, you know, to keep it fresh. And I think it'll be incredibly useful to have um, an Irish uh, producer as well, just to, yeah. I think, just keep an eye on that, you know? Yeah. Did, did you have anyone being like, oh, Louise, did you write that about me? I mean, obviously, it's like, <laughs> quite... <laughs> I, did, I did actually a lot with the minor characters, which was really funny because I suppose I had been, you know, physically, um, the town and Ballina Tomb is, is just because I'm so lazy, is very much... Um, uh, based on my hometown mm. um, Clonakilty in West Cork there's certain things that you'll pick up about people and you're like oh that's interesting when they're nervous they they do this and you know those sort of little details make characters more real but you know I wouldn't I just I couldn't even imagine doing that actually but it's been funny people will say they're like oh you know um and it's always the minor characters they're like oh you know the father of this character is that based on I'm like no no it's not <laughs> oh my god and it's, it makes me so nervous yeah. I'm like, I'm, I swear to you I did not base it on anyone but that's I think actually um for a lot of people in my hometown that was sort of the fun of it you know because not that there's very much fun to be had in the book but there was that element of oh you know I recognized I suppose this 
location or I recognize, you know, or I, they thought they recognized a person. And I was like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously the book is really harrowing. You know, it's, it's so upsetting in places. Did you need to go and have a bit of a rest after you wrote that? Like, how did you deal with that as the author? Because I think I read it in about two weeks or so um and that's you know it's quite fast paced I'm really getting into it and I'm like I can't stop thinking about it but you were with it for months yeah yeah it it wasn't the most pleasant um writing experience and actually it's funny because I I still found it very difficult to sit back and start writing again because I think there was a when I finished asking for it I remember thinking I don't know if I can ever write again but and that sounds so dramatic and that sounds very precious but I think I just I dug so deep with this um Mm. and I was I was like I can't I can't do this I I, I cannot write another 10 12 books like this um in my lifetime um because I won't be able to function as a human being I won't be able to you know interact with people I won't be able to have a relationship you know I don't particularly want children but I was like if I had children there's no way I could sort of manage these two and I think that is on me because I think there's loads of writers who deal with these sort of subjects and deal with them brilliantly and manage to maintain an artistic um distance um so I think that's just me learning as a writer learning how to have a work-life balance um and it did it, it really did impact on me um you know I suppose it was I was reading so much about it and doing so much research and talking to survivors and reading memoirs and and you know it was all I did really for seven days a week for six months um and I was so anxious and so angry and so upset and you know having really bad nightmares and it was it was a very actually it was a very intense um experience mm-hmm. is how I would how I would describe it god I can imagine but yeah. what an amazing response, you know, to go oh, yeah. through all no. of that and then come out the other side, like, with this incredible book. That was amazing. <laughs> it would have been a bit shit. Imagine if everyone was like, oh, we really hate it. And I was like, what a waste of my time. <laughs> well, actually, one thing I do, I really um, find you really inspiring for two reasons. Okay, <laughs> apart from the fact that you've written two amazing books, is uh-huh. one, you're really good at being like, I've done this and sharing what you've done in a, in a you know, because I think a lot of people really hate putting their work out there and being like hey guys look I made this awards list you know that sort of thing yeah (laughs) like I think it's like I feel that you make me braver at being like well I can self-promote this thing type thing and the second thing is that um I remember you said and I think I think you said it to me or it might have been in an article or something but that you tell people around you not to point out bad articles or bad reviews Oh, yes. And yes. I just wanted to say that those, I just love those things about you. <laughs> well, I'll answer the first one. Um, uh, I suppose I'll do that first. Um, okay. When I made this decision to write this book, um, and I suppose as well, I had just come back from New York where, you know, you're in an environment where if you're not ambitious and if you're not promoting yourself in a way, people not look down look down on you is the wrong word but they I suppose they don't take you as seriously you know and I had this real Irish self-deprecation thing and oh no I can't do that oh sure I'd be terrible at that and they take you at face value and they're like oh you'd be terrible at that that's fine we'll give that job to Angela and I was like no 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 I was only I was only saying that because I wanted you to like me and not think I was vain and and they just don't get it um, and right. I think that was very useful you know it is useful actually because there is nothing wrong 
with being proud of your achievements and there's nothing wrong with saying you know what I put a lot of work into this it's very nice that that's being rewarded um and with the first book in particular oh my god I hustled so much for that and I said and the reason was I was like this is my career and as much as your publisher and my publisher at Quirkus were absolutely amazing and as much as they loved the book and they wanted to see us succeed you know, their career wasn't going to live or die on it. Mm-hmm. Mine was. I totally get what I you had, mean. I feel like know? there's such a role to play in marketing your own stuff. Yeah. And being absolutely. like, I am the ambassador for this thing and no one yeah. else is. Yeah. And yeah. being proactive and being yeah. like, you know what? You know, I, I appreciate your support, but I am going to make, you know, some of this happen myself. Yeah. Um, And I think you know, I suppose just that hustle. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think sometimes as, you know, as writers, um, and I have, you know, loads of writer um, friends who are um, authors, and some of them are such incredible artists. And I think, which is amazing, but I think you do also have to have some level of, you know, just sort of business knowledge and some level of, you know, what's going on with my books? How are they being marketed? You know, what's the publicity plan? Where are they going to be in the bookshelf? You have to have that, you know, you it's, and it's difficult actually for most people who are um, artistic or creative because our brains aren't really, um, I suppose they're not really designed that way, but I, I think you just have to have some awareness or try and take some sort of interest and not be afraid of self-promotion because like we're millennials like this is what we're all about like what's our brand and you know uh, social media and you know just I suppose creating a little bit of noise because so many books get published every week and most of them are absolutely incredible and it's you know you go you go into a bookshop there's thousands of books what is going to draw your eye to one particular book it's if you've heard about it or if you've seen it somewhere do you know yeah because I feel like social media is just word of mouth but just mm-hmm. amplified times a yeah. thousand yeah. so if anyone is just slightly mentioning it um yeah I mean and you you just do that so well I just think it's brilliant I just wish more people w- would would just not be nervous about looking like they were showing off or whatever it's, there's a difference because you have to sell your thing yeah and I suppose it's about, particularly on social media, and the thing is, you know, I really enjoy it, so that makes it easy. Um, but, it, you know, you can't, it, it really is a balance. Like, I think that, you know, I probably post just really personal stuff 85% of the time, um, 90% of the time, and then the following 10, 15 are, you know, I made it, you know, as you said, sort of shouting about my yeah, achievements yeah. or success, um, you know, or things like that, because... You know, why? I mean, also, why shouldn't I? I mean, when I see other people, um, you know, saying, oh, I got a TV, TV deal or, you know, I'm on this shortlist, like I'm genuinely thrilled for them. Um, and I, I suppose I just expect that level of, um, I suppose, kindness in return that yeah. I think that, well, you know, I'm thrilled for you. Therefore, I'm sure that you would be, you know, thrilled for me. Um, and um, the thing actually, and I was just going to get on to that, the thing about the um, bad reviews is just you know, you've written the book and this is the way I feel about both of them. I haven't read them since they've been published. Um, I, uh, you know, I wrote the books, myself and my editor worked incredibly hard in them. And then we said, it's done now. That's, you know, it's, let's put this to bed. It's done. Mm-hmm. I can't change anything about them. Um, I, you know, if someone says, you know, I really hated this aspect of the book, I can't, you know, take, I can't travel in time and go back and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it's, it's nice, even, you know, the, the good reviews are nice as well, but 
you sort I just think you have to distance yourself and you're like this is the book this is what I created it's out there now it's up to each reader to sort of take it um on their own terms um and you know decide what they want to you know what they think about it but I'm not going to you know trawl through thousands of I don't know reviews on Amazon or Goodreads and you know sit there crying over the bad reviews because I have better things to do with my time and also I like being able to sleep at night Um, (laughs) and and it's always the bad stuff and you know that you're so you'll yeah you're so right honestly you're so wise but but there is such a temptation I know that if I was in on a Friday night (laughs) and I had nothing else to do yeah I know I would look um so I think I think you know what though you do at the start and then you'll see a shitty review and you'll say to yourself why did I do that now to myself do you know and then you just then you'll stop I promise and I think that's the thing is you're trying you're making something you're out there you're you, you are actually doing it living creating um and sometimes and not all the time because I think that's unfair but sometimes you know people who are I suppose critiquing you or you know giving you negative feedback you know you feel like saying well what what are you creating yeah I'm being really mean I am being really mean (laughs) I, I do think as well the interesting thing is the more successful you get I suppose the more people you know will read your work or who will you know listen to your podcast and I suppose the more then the, obviously just by statistics and by likelihood, the more people that will be like, oh, I, I don't like that. Um, and you, I suppose you have to you have to expect that oh, yeah, um, in a absolutely. way. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it is impossible, absolutely impossible to create anything, um, you know, a song, a television program, a, a movie, a, a book, mm. a podcast that is universally loved. Oh, yeah. There is no such thing. You know, you will find someone who thinks Breaking Bad is, you know, the worst television program on the planet. Like, you know, it is mm. just impossible. So I think it's about trying to trying to let that go because there is it's hard sometimes because there is a difference between someone offering you know an honest opinion and being like you know this just isn't for me and then someone being deliberately you know unkind um and nasty and wanting to just wanting to really upset you um and you know I know that even with I actually would love to ask you about you know what sort of trolling do you receive online because sometimes you're looking at it and you're like what, what's wrong with you like why do you want why do you feel the need to you know make me try and make me feel I suppose bad about myself um or try and make me feel upset or you know I, I just mm-hmm. I, I really don't understand that mentality it's very strange to me yeah it's so weird I think I've always thought like troll trolls is like a problem in the world and we need to make sure that these people can't attack and actually say things that are like illegal as in mm. you know oh, yeah, awful no, and know. horrible but then at the same time I think it's, su- it's such a faceless person that it's it's not about I know it's not about me I know it's not oh it's not it's like yeah. it, it's like you just don't even know me and I think it's almost your this person this faceless person normally with an egg profile picture on Twitter yeah it's yeah. like um it's like uh, what I represent is is threatening to them or yeah. um, they're angry, but it's just it, I, I I don't care. I feel like I should care a bit more because it is a problem in 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 the bigger picture. Like we shouldn't just bat them away like annoying flies because it's like well they need you know it can't go on. Need, yeah. Um, well, I suppose it depends on how abuse. I mean, if someone's you know threatening rape and and mm. and you know death threats, then clearly those people do need to be um, 
do need to be dealt with. I do think it's interesting with people who are, and I, I really am loath to use the word um, uh, well known about myself because, you know, I don't think that's that's true. But I have friends, um, one in particular, who is very famous. Um, and we've talked about this a lot, actually, um, because I suppose you know, wherever, a lot of the time I'll hear people talking about him um, or, you know, making comments about him. And it's very interesting, actually, to see how much their interpretation of him is actually, uh, is nothing to do with him as a person mm-hmm. and everything to do with their perspective um, yeah. and their attitudes um, and their own prejudices. Um, and I do think with, um, I suppose very well-known people the media um, create a sort of a narrative around them yeah um, and it's like you know it, it's almost like a soap opera and this is your role um, and it's so black and white it's like you know there's no sort of ability to recognize nuance and it really has actually very very little to do um, with the person themselves and I think that's why I find celebrity culture so odd and actually much more telling about the you know the people uh, I suppose you know the 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 non-famous people if you know what I mean like all mm. you know us us normal people the way in which we interpret um and the way in which we yeah. judge uh, celebrity behavior is it, so much more yeah. telling about our mores and our sort of social um constructs than the um celebrities themselves totally it's like it's like the readers or the the people that read the magazines and all like scroll through the Daily Mail, it's mm-hmm. like they they desperately need something to hang on to to make themselves feel better. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I feel what what is great I think about social media though is that you get to tell the world who you are. This is me. This is what I like. This is who I am. This is what I read. This is who I'm friends with. Mm-hmm. And it's you know actually if someone wrote something really evil about you know someone in the Daily Mail, they could just go on their own website and be like, that's not what happened, and yeah. the website would get more hits. I think people want to follow the person over follow a media making up stories yeah. about a person. Yeah, that's not. I agree. Thoughts, but and I think it's interesting with social media is that um, trying to explain to people who aren't very active, let's say on Twitter, and trying to explain to people that you have this friend, like I would consider you a friend, even though we've never met. Um, yes. And and I think what's interesting with people is that when you explain that to someone who's maybe not active on social media, they say, "But it's not, she can't be your friend." And I'm like, I probably spend more time with this person than with you, and I probably have more of a sense of who she is because of you know her sense of humor from you know the, her tweets or you know the books that she says that she's really enjoyed, um, articles that she's posted, um, that she thinks that you know are worth reading. Like you really do actually, especially if people are very active, you do get quite a true sense, I think anyway, um, of who they are um, and I suppose even just their political um, opinions and how engaged they are with certain issues. And I'm like, yes, I like you. I, I feel like we have um, a lot in common. Um, and most times actually when I've met people um, that I've you know um, gotten to know through uh, Twitter or through uh, Instagram or whatever, they're exactly the way that they are uh, online the way they talk um, you know their, their voice their voice in their tweets is pretty much identical to their voice in real life yeah um so i think that's really interesting if you like this episode please remember to leave a review or a rating on itunes it would mean so much to me also um tweet me at girl lost in city on twitter i'd love to hear your feedback so thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week Bye.